Welcome to podcast number 113, podcast 113 this week on the Texas Hemp Show. I'm Russell with the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine and host of the Texas Hemp Show podcast. And good to be with you guys this week. We just dropped a new magazine. That's our last show. So the new issue of the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine is out statewide. So we're glad to have those out and among our friends there in all of the CBD and smoke shops around the state. So those have dropped and are now in Houston, the Rio Grande Valley, Dallas, San Antonio, as well as Austin. So very excited to get those out as we are in the middle of the 88th legislative session. And uh, hopefully our lawmakers will get some good bills in in front of uh in front of Dan Patrick this year and see what he decides to do with things. Uh, but uh, joining us on the program for some legal opinion is this week on the show is uh, Andrea Steele from Frost, Brown, and Todd joining us. Andrea, always a friend of the Texas Hemp Show podcast. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Appreciate your time uh, with us, Andrea. How are you? I'm good, thank you, and thanks for having me on again. It is always a pleasure to join with you on the show. Thank you, thank you so I much. I love the car. I love the what is the. I have you to thank for the name of the car. Did you know we when we we wrapped the car, Carl? I reached out on LinkedIn and I said, "Hey, what should we call this thing?" And Andrea had a couple of names for the car, and I liked the Texas green machine. So that's what we have stuck with. Andrea is, is uh, k- kudos to you. You, you named our, our, our vehicle and Andrea, thanks for being a part of the show. What should we start off with? We could talk about uh, dishes enforcement. We could talk about uh, legislative bills, but uh, let's talk about what happened yesterday with the DEA and, and their ruling, I guess this is federal. Yeah. Let's talk about that. That's gotten, I mean, I think I put a post up on LinkedIn mm-hmm. yesterday, the day before, and thousands already have, have looked at it. So that's a pretty hot topic. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Yes. So um, so essentially, the DEA uh, responded to an inquiry from another attorney, Rod Kite. Anybody in the hemp cannabinoid space is probably familiar with him. Um, and he, about, I don't know, several months ago, sent a request to the DEA asking if um, THCO acetate um, is that's derived from hemp. Is that considered a schedule one substance? Is it considered synthetic? How does the DEA view it? And so they just got back to him. It took a very long time, but they just responded to him and said that they do consider Delta eight THCO and Delta nine THCO to be synthetics and not fall under the definition of hemp, even if they are derived from hemp. So that added a layer of complexity to what we consider falls within the definition of hemp and, and what doesn't or added an additional consideration that for us to think about when, you know, we as lawyers are advising or just people out in the public or businesses, especially that are in this space, um, 
what they're looking for and, and what to, you know, kind of some guidance on, on where we think the federal government and then probably state and local will follow suit. Are we, are we some time away from seeing any kind of enforcement with this? I, I don't think so. So basically what they're saying is that THCO has never been considered hemp. It's not like this is a new well, okay. thing. This is new information to the public, but it's not new to the DA. This is not a new rule or a new law. It's their interpretation of current law. Mm-hmm. And so with that, enforcement could have already been happening. Mm-hmm. Investigations could have already been going on and likely are. Um, and then as far as enforcement, it can happen at any time because this is not, you know, oh, we've decided that this new product is, you know, now illegal. So you've got some time before you have to get it off your shelves. Like that's not it. And there's a lot of people asking those questions, you know, oh, do we have a period of amnesty where we can get it off our shelves? No, there is no amnesty period. This is illegal. It is a schedule one controlled substance under the um, definition of tetrahydrocannabinol. Well, that's not considered him. Well, that's huge for states like Texas because many states have, many of the cannabis states, you know, Andrea, have already made moves to keep the Delta products off the shelves because they're strong cannabis states. But um, uh, so what, what, if I'm a retailer, what do I do now? <laughs> I'm, I'm not, can't give legal advice. Um, <laughs> who are not my clients. Um, I, well, I would just say that if anybody has those, those products in their possession, they are holding on to something that the DEA has publicly stated is a schedule one control substance. Um well, David Sergi is also going to be on the program after you, but I wanted to get David to chime in on. Let's go to David uh, as we welcome him to podcast number 113 of the Texas Hemp Show. Hi, Ross. Hey there, David. Uh, uh, you may have heard a little bit of our conversation there. I thought I'd get you to chime in on this. You you kind of made me aware of this yesterday when we were talking about another suit that you were involved in. A uh, very slippery slope for retailers. I would agree. And as uh, Andrea said, I don't think we can give individual legal advice, but um, I think we've all got the retailers have some real severe problems they have to deal with. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you know, hundreds and thousands of retailers in the Lone Star State that have inventory with this. And this is at a really interesting time because I just published in the magazine, David, uh, the uh, enforcement letter that Dish has just put out for March 1st on another matter. And now you have Andrea, the Fed, the DEA ruling in on this now. So are, are we taking two steps forward and three steps back here uh, federally? I, I thought maybe we might get a little, a little reprieve, I guess, uh, from the federal side as a loan, as a Texan, but uh, this is, uh, this presents uh, challenges for Texas retailers uh, as well. Yeah. I think, that what we're going to see here is that um, I think dishes probably will step up enforcement on that. And they mentioned in their, in their notice that they're going to step up the enforcement on the smokable hemp ban um, beginning in March. Like I said, this, this THCO, that's probably going to be definitely seeing some traction. I think um, one of the things that's probably important, a lot of, I wish people and retailers and businesses would come get legal guidance before they start doing things. Um, because I know if anybody would have talked to me about THCO in advance of selling, I would have strongly cautioned because 
I don't think this ruling is or this guidance, um, this opinion letter guidance is really new or a surprise to attorneys that are well versed in the cannabinoid space, because many of us have been saying for a while, this is not naturally occurring, although the same argument um, could apply, so to speak, for why any of the other hemp derived cannabinoids um, would fit under the definition of hemp. The fact that this one is not uh, not not in nature um, or all the science so far that we know says it's not in nature. Um, that one puts it in a little bit of a, uh, or a, now it was in a, it was a higher risk category. And now we have this guidance from the DEA that says it is a schedule one controlled substance. You know, let me chime in for a second. Cause I think Andrea is exactly right. This isn't groundbreaking. You know, the conservative manufacturers haven't man been manufacturing these derivative products. They have been going with the tried and true. They haven't been trying to, uh, you know, break that barrier and press to that next level. And, you know, I know that Andrea's clients have probably gotten a lot of the same advice that my clients would have gotten, which is don't do that. Don't mm -hmm. press the envelope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I, do you anticipate your phone's really going to be ringing, Andrea, here with this ruling yesterday? I mean, David, uh, uh, you know, there's, what we recently received the um, we downloaded the list earlier this year or late December for just the retailers in the state and there was 6,500 I believe at least permit holders for the dishes side for those permits. That tells me yeah, that tells me a whole lot of people don't know they're supposed to be registered. <laughs> yeah. I just I just left some magazines in a store earlier and i mean like literally an hour ago <laughs> on my lunch break and you know uh, the not this has not gotten out to everyone just yet and i think andrea makes a really good point if you're going to be in this business you have to get the right regulatory advice from someone like andrea myself or there are other people out there that know what we're talking about and can give the right advice to keep you out of jeopardy yeah, I mean, I guess, what do you think percentage-wise for retailers that are out there that, you know, actually pay for these, the, this legal advice and, and keep you guys like you on retainer? And it's, it's uh, with that many, 60, I think it was 6,700, Andrea, of the state's retailers, um, you know, are all licensed to, to sell the products with uh, dishes. But, uh, yeah, uh, that that's... There's a, quite a bit of learning curve still still uh, to to be had here. Well, yeah, I mean, I I agree. There's, you know, I think as Andrea was about to say, although we couldn't hear her, oh. uh, there are some pretty major issues, and you've got to be very careful step by step as we move in the direction of of mainstreaming these products, and we have to make sure that they are in compliance with both state and federal law. Okay, and, and and Andrea, I know we're short on time with you, but I, I did want to get you to chime in. Maybe have you have you seen any movement or traction with legislative bills that are being put forth by legislators here in Texas as we're in the middle of the 88th legislature? Actually, some bills got moved to committee just in the last couple of days. Um, so there's starting to be some movement. The committees were just assigned recently, and and so there will start to be movement now. Um, of course, I'm sure lots of people are concerned about anything going on with hemp and if anybody's been paying attention to what's been going on or what's been you know transpiring so far with the legislature 
And Senator Perry has filed two bills relating to hemp. One is about the agricultural side and the other is on the consumable hemp product side. Um, Senator Perry is also the chair of the agricultural um, committee in the Senate. I'm not saying the name right, but it, it essentially water, agriculture and rural affairs, rural affairs. And the, his two bills have already been moved to his committee. Okay. Um, so I definitely expect to see movement on that one. And hopefully there will be some, um, some, in, you know, engagement with the public about some issues in the bill that's on the consumable hemp side, which, you know, basically says that uh, synthetically derived THCs or synthetically derived, um, you know, hemp, hemp products that have synthetically derived THCs would be banned and kicks it to dishes to create a definition. And, and that could be really, pro- really problematic um, just because there's, there's so much confusion around it. Do- has there been any movement on from anyone on a doctor's discretion on that side of, of, of a levels of THC in this legislature session yet? So, so click who is um, yeah. the author of the Texas compassionate Youth act. She's mm-hmm. her bill. She just recently That's right. a bill a couple weeks ago that would increase the cap from 1% to 5% mm-hmm. um, as well as adding on um, any condition that could cause chronic pain uh, off of um, opioid, opiates is, is one thing that's on there. And then it allows also would allow dishes to come up with any other debilitating disease that it wants to put on the list as a qualifying condition by rule. So we don't have to wait every two years for a new condition to be added. So hopefully that bill will get some movement. And, um, you know, we're still pretty early in the session. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of changes that could happen. Tons yeah. of bills. There's probably more than 40 that reference, you know, cannabis, hemp, THC, um, regarding, you know, legalizing a constitutional amendment to legalize adult use in the state, you know, broad expansion of the compassionate use program. You know, there's a lot that's been filed, but not many are likely going to get movement. Well, we're still uh, we're still early in this session. We'll go ahead and, and take a commercial break. I'll let you get on to your next meeting, Andrea. Thank you for giving us an update. How can folks uh, put you on their calendar and give you a call, Andrea, with uh, Frost, Brown, and Todd over there? How can folks reach you? Absolutely. So my cell phone number is 281-755-3850. My email address is asteel, A-S-T-E-E-L, at FBT Law, F like Frost, B like Brown, T like Todd. Um, Email me, text me, call me, and we can set up some time for a call. Hit me up on LinkedIn or, um, you know, check out the website for the firm. Well, this is a great show if you're a retailer because we've got two. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Good (laughs) day. All right. Thank you, Andrea. We appreciate your time. This is a great show this week. Got two of the best here in the state joining us on the legal front. We'll be back. We'll take a commercial break and we'll be back with our guest, David Sergi, on the other side. It's the Texas Hemp Show, Podcast 113. We'll be back right after this. Why take a chance with your hemp grow? Join Hemp Plan and avoid the risk. TPS Labs exclusive hemp monitoring program. Hemp Plan members get one-on-one consulting from knowledgeable consultants who are available when you need them most. 
If you want to take the guesswork out of growing hemp and focus on what matters most, call TPS Lab today and ask for your free consultation. Take the next step to a successful harvest. Visit tpslab.com or call today at 956-383-0739. Hey, this is Tommy Chong, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. Do you qualify for medical marijuana? Texas allows medical-grade products with THC. If you have a diagnosis of PTSD, neuropathy of any kind, including diabetic, any cancer or seizure disorder, Dr. A at Good Earth MMJ Clinic will help. You believe in cannabis's medical benefits, as do we. VA veterans with PTSD do not fear, as your benefits are protected with a Dr. A's prescription in Texas. Please visit GoodEarth210.com for all details and book an appointment. Next day appointments available. We're here to get you well, not high. That's GoodEarth210.com. The Texas Hemp Report is available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops across Texas. McAllen, Houston, Austin, Dallas, Lubbock, and San Antonio. Texas lawmakers will be in session this year to improve or alter laws on cannabis products. So stay tuned and informed this legislative season with the Texas Hemp Show podcast and the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. Would you like to host the Texas Hemp Show podcast at your business or special? Event now booking live broadcast from your location with our new demo vehicle, the Texas Green Machine. Email Russell at Texas Hemp Reporter at gmail.com. Now back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. Welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show podcast number 113 this week here. I'm Russell with the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. Again, the uh, February-March issue just dropped at smoke shop CBD stores statewide. Those are available all throughout the state of Texas. And a very big week with uh, announcements from the feds. This side with the DEA ruling on the controlled substance. Thank you to Andrea Steele chiming in this week, but we'll jump right back to our friend David Sergi from Sergi Law uh, as well, joining us here on the Texas Hemp Show. So a nice little transition. I, I was hoping that the two of you guys might get to say hi and, and get you both on there. But David, it's it's tricky waters, man. You got to have a good attorney in this day and age. Well, I'll tell you, you know, people like Andrea and myself, we say abreast of the law. We stay abreast of the recent developments. And that's what our clients pay us to do. And at yep. the end of the day, you know, any market, there are always going to be changes. And these changes are systemic to the, our industry. We're a growing industry. And some things are surprising and some things are not. And like I said earlier, and I think Andre is making the point, this DEA letter really to those of us in the know and 
we've been telling our clients this for a long time. Don't sell the O. This mm-hmm. is essentially mm-hmm. what the DEA said. And this is what people within the DEA have been talking about. You know, you go to trade shows, this is what people are talking about. Yeah. So now it's been formalized. Yeah, the, now, they had the, uh, what was it, David? It was, I think, the Champs event in Vegas the year before last. They had a incursion where there was members raided uh, that were attending that event. And, and uh, I don't know if there was a rest made, but there was product seized, at least in the 2021 show. The thing is, you know, we can't be pushing the envelope. I think that's the most important message that at least I have is, in a conservative state like Texas, in a place like that we are, we can't be pushing the envelope. We have to be marching slow and steady and make sure that every step we take is legitimate. And so, you know, at least our clients, that's what we tell them. Even if our clients don't want to hear something, <laughs> um, we'd rather be cautious than have to go visit them at the local sheriff's department. Well, and sometimes... Uh... Sometimes you take on these cases. I was reading one from you the other day. Um, I got that. I, I read the whole 19 pages, David, of the current one, and I don't know if we could talk on that. Can we talk about that case or just mention what happened? And I mean, uh, in very, very general terms, without going into specifics, we had a retailer that, as far as we can tell, was following all of the advising, all of the law, doing what they're supposed to do, Mm-hmm. And you had what we think, in our opinion, was a rogue cop who decided he knew better. And there was a raid. People were arrested. One particular individual who happened to have been on parole spent six months in jail approximately on a parole hold and ultimately was uh, released. All the charges were dropped and product was seized. Some of it was returned. And we're holding that particular municipality accountable. We filed a federal lawsuit, and we are looking forward to vindicating our clients' rights in that. Yeah. I know there are other similar cases that we're contemplating bringing, and there are people that have done the right thing, that have followed the law, that have taken the time to do it right, and they have wound up being arrested, and their businesses, their lives have been destroyed, and we're there to hold people to account. We're hold, there to hold the government to account. Well, it, it certainly, uh, it, it just goes to, you know, it speaks to the level of training that these, um, you know, whether it's rural, it seems to happen sometimes more in the rural cities, you know, uh, uh, the rural towns. But, um, you know, we've got to have better training for our law enforcement to know what the law is. And when folks are operating their business with legal got following the legal guidelines and, and, mm-hmm. and law enforcement is just not properly trained on recognizing what products are legal and not legal. I noticed that in that particular case I was reading yesterday, David, there was just like a ton of officers named, like not one officer stepped up to take accountability for not one of them knew the law. It was like, Quite a few of, ter- of, of, of the law of the law enforcement officers were mentioned, and it, it was just man, it, not, nobody had stepped up to be accountable for the law. I mean, the thing is, in, in smaller jurisdictions, the training isn't appropriate. It's behind the times, and they're struggling to catch up. I'm not saying excusing it, 
But that's just a simple fact of life. And law enforcement officers that are properly trained, that try to uh, inform their departments are sometimes being punished. I know a school district north of Austin where a officer wound up having to leave because they were arresting kids for legal behavior. Now, whether it should be legal or not, is another question, but it was legal behavior and these charges are having me dismissed and this law enforcement officer had to leave. Hmm. And unfortunately we have to change the mindset. It's part of a national movement to change the mindset of our police officers so that our police officers are there to work with the community, not just to score points. I see this a lot on social media posts, videos. There's a lot of folks out there doing what's now called auditing of the police, and they go out and they just film right out in the public, which is perfectly legal. And many, many, I think that it's getting around out there to law enforcement that, you know, you can't just come up to anybody and ask him to stop filming you. There's, there's, uh, right to privacy rights and uh, First Amendment rights, and and um, the folks are standing up to law enforcement, even in little ways like this in rural Alabama, David. So uh, you're starting to see that uh, the the cops are being challenged on their authority of measure, measures, uh, uh, even if it's just videotaping. Well, you know, the funny thing is with the number of closed circuit TVs and video surveillance we have yeah. in stores, outside of stores, you know, it is part of the enforcement mechanism both ways. We are auditing the cops and we're also auditing behavior that shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as we're making sure people don't break and enter into our stores and, you know, we're also wind up catching people doing things they shouldn't do. And so that's part of life. And Police officers, every one of us is going to be held to account and should be. What stands out on your mind as we are in this legislative session? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, the lobby team that works with groups that I work with, we're focused on defending naturally derived hemp uh, products and cannabinoid products. We want to work within the farm bill. We want to work to make sure that products that veterans need, products that medical patients need are available if that's what the, the individual wants to use. You know, we're there to make sure you know, that there are alternatives to opioids. And, you know, it just boggles my mind that people in the legislature might want uh, a veteran to go use an opioid and wind up addicted as opposed to something that works for that particular yeah. veteran or that particular patient was wondering if you'd heard or seen anything on what entailed in Perry's bill at all. Well, you know, part of the thing is that this is the first shot and the bill that's Mm -hmm. out there really is sort of out there for public consumption. But what you really have to look at is what is a committee substitute going to be? Right. What is it that's actually going to be considered? And more often than not, at least my experience, the, first bill looks absolutely nothing like the committee substitute. That's right. And so, you know, this bill I think is kind of for show and I want to see what the real bill is. And I'm hoping this time that they actually properly notice the hearing that they allow all the stakeholders to appear and that it's not done in the dead of night and put in something that's not tech searchable like happened last time. 
Yes, yeah, some of the things changed at the very last minute um, in, in committee, I believe, last time is what you're referring to. Well, hopefully we get some pro productive uh, measures um, through and, and something something good goes on to the desk of the lieutenant governor's office. I don't know what else is pending on. We've got legislative session going on. So thing, a lot of moving parts happening right now with cannabis on the national level, we're still working and with our stakeholders like Congressman Lou and some of these other fine mm -hmm. folks to work on a banking bill so that our retailers uh, that's right and in states that uh, have uh, legalized marijuana that they can actually use real banks to protect <laughs> themselves and not have to sit on piles of cash. Gets to be ridiculous. Yeah, I remember hearing that some of the companies in Colorado, David, had to have security companies that they hired because they were carrying so much cash and have extra security because wow. it's not that's one that's an expense they would like to not have to have if they could just bank. Yeah, it, frankly, it is somewhat ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we're working on federal legislation, we're working on banking legislation. And we are working to mainstream and mainline these businesses so that they can become a constructive part and even more constructive part of our community. And, you know, I mean, for example, I have a client in California. They wanted to give a donation. The problems they had in giving a donation to a charity, they was ridiculous. And yet they're sitting on piles of cash and they want to <laughs> give money back to the community. They wanted to sponsor a baseball team. It's just because they had to go, you know, it cost, what was it? 20,000 bucks or something for the uniforms and the fee. And they mm -hmm. showed up with cash and, you know, the little oh. couldn't take cash and they <laughs> wanted to have their, it. They couldn't use a bank. And so, uh, yeah, we've got that away, but you know, it's still, we you know, I think the message is, Russell, you know, we are here to stay. You're here to stay. We're here to be part of this community. And we're here to build businesses, allow families to grow, employ people. You know, I was um, talking, I don't know if I was talking to you, but I was, was having this conversation about one of our lawyers, Scott Field, who, uh, when we got the injunction and, we, and he helped us beat back the uh, challenge at the Supreme Court to our injunction, mm -hmm. we were invited to a show in Dallas. And I remember Scott telling me as he was sitting there after I'd been on a panel, he said, you know, first time in my life, I'm seeing the practical implications of what I'm doing. I'm seeing the good that I'm doing. Yeah. I'm seeing the people that are earning their money. I see the families that are supported. I see the community in action. And he was really amazed. And for, you know, someone who's a Republican, it was sort of a, an aha moment, I think. <laughs> and I've heard that from more and more and more uh, stakeholders on the other side, as some of our veterans communicate with their elected officials. I think they're realizing that it isn't just one segment of the population. This is a community. It's everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And 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 when I ask folks in, in the space about how they feel about being in this business, as I'm a part of it in, in, from the media side, David, but, you know, I still have eight or nine contracted employees that we employ throughout any given, you know, 
you know, throughout the year and, and as we are in production with our, our products and, and media services, but it just feels great to, to be a part of the space. And I often ask companies and people how they feel about it. It, it, it really, there really is a sense of community, not just in the local area or the state, but, but, but nationally. And uh, the other countries that are making cannabis legal and moving forward with their programs or have robust economies and, You'd think with uh, uh, as much as Washington spends, <laughs> they would allow, allow for this to this market to to continue mm -hmm. and, and prosper, and, and let's get some better banking laws, like you said, and 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 free up that regulatory man. It, it, we need to we need to embrace the plant. I totally agree with you. How can folks get in touch with you? Is there anything else you'd like to touch on before we uh, get your number out there and let folks call you? Because there's got to be a lot of folks that are in retail side now starting to say, hey, what do I do with the inventory that I have purchased for my store now that the feds are saying I, I can't have this? Uh, it's a pretty gray area, David. I, I think I'd be I'd be curious to, to find out what my – my attorneys would say to do, and um, uh, I don't know, I just thought I'd get you to, to volley one more time on this before we shout out your number and bring that website up. So I'll just be frank. You know, we have been in touch with stakeholders, with folks, DA, law enforcement, trying to figure out a reasonable approach to deal with the inventory. We haven't gotten there yet, mm -hmm. but I think people are at risk in having it. They certainly... If I were them, wouldn't be selling it anymore. I'd be taking it off the shelves. And the question is, how do you dispose of it? Because unfortunately, there are problems here. And, you know, if you don't do the responsible thing, you may very well wind up with a lot more trouble than you bargained for. Like I said, we're working on that right now. And I know Andrea's working on that right now. And I know Michelle Donovan, who's another lawyer from Texas, who's up in Minnesota, in uh, Detroit is working on it, and a bunch of us are working on these questions. Mm -hmm. so, well, you know, I'm happy to talk to people. Well, you know, I may jump on, on uh, ask you a few things off air just because I'm, you know, I take advertising dollars from businesses mm -hmm. like clients that would, would hire you, you know, do business with us. Mm -hmm. If this affects their business, this is ultimately going to affect my business. Well, I mean, I think there's always going to be an effect on business. But at the same time, you know, if you have operators that are looking to break the law once they know what it is, yeah, those are people that probably shouldn't be in the business. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, but there are going to be, you know, new people coming into the business. You know, I have people contact me all the time about how do I do this right? How am I in compliance? How do I reach out to local law enforcement to make sure that we're partnering with them as opposed to, Trying to play a cat and mouse game with them. Well, it looks to me like I've just got to make sure that, uh, you know, advertisers, as they want to promote products, you know, they just got to be careful what things they're mentioning because some of these things are, you know, the, the, it's been, we've allowed for some things to be stated in their ads. I, sometimes I just publish their ad, David, but um, I think it's uh, it's important that we, we just follow the rules and, and, uh, and stay within the lines, as they say, and and see where things pan out, my friend. Uh, how do folks turn and, and get in touch with you? I see well, the number on the screen a little bit ago was 512-757-1570. Is that right? That's my cell phone number. 
And uh, I'm always available on that unless I'm in court uh, or in meetings. Then my office number uh, is 512-392-5010. That number up there actually goes through a different form. But if you call 512-392-5010, happy to talk with you. My email address is david at sergilaw or d-a-v-i-d at s-e-r-g-i-l-a-w.com. Hit me up through LinkedIn, as Andrea said. We're available. Our social media is out there. And, um, you know, we're here to serve our public and our community. Well, you really are. And I I mean, reading that, um, you know, that suit that you're involved in, uh, you know, that just it, it it gets under your skin when, you know, law enforcement is not following their they're not following the rules or not aware of the of the change in laws. And I think that um, you do a, a great service when protecting some of these guys. I, and and I'll, I'll, I'll close on this. I had a guy that had a farm in South Texas, David, and I, I may have to have him reach out to Jay, but um, he said that he had caught into a minor incursion with his girlfriend, oh, but he has a gr- big uh, farm down in the, in, in the Rio Grande Valley, and they kept him in jail on a misdemeanor charge from mid-October all the way until January, David, and he didn't get a bond. And I think that they knew that he was a, a, a hemp farmer and that he was growing hemp, and it seemed like the regional lo- – he said that the local law enforcement unreasonably kept him jailed, um, but he believed that it was because he was also growing legal hemp in the South Texas area. I don't know if that's if that's entirely the truth, but that's what he told me, and he believed that that he was being unjustly held uh, because of what he was doing, you know, with his grow operation. Well, some people say that it's a valley, and so I'll leave it at that. I know people up in North Texas that have had the same issues. Yeah. People are, you know, have worked as engineers that have other lives, that this is a way they're trying to make a living, having the best possible legal grow operation they can. And yeah, there there are a lot of problems. There's probably another lawsuit we're going to be bringing here in the next month or so. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned my friend Jay McGuire. Jay does a wonderful job of yeah. uh, lobbying, of putting together and being kind of the heart and soul of, I think, our community. And, you know, and again, a wonderful guy, a great guy for retailers to work with, a great guy that manufacturers can work with. And, uh, you know, I think uh, that our community needs to come together. Well, I told this particular farmer that he needed to reach out to Jay at the Texas Hemp Federation because I know that uh, the work he does and, and with you, that there there is some justice at the end of that rainbow occasionally. And uh, uh, Sergi Law will take on a case like that and, and go after municipal if, if, uh, if you can. Thank you, though, David. And hey, man, if you ever have anything for me to print or you want to go, come on the show and make an announcement, you know, hey, the 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 door's always open over here. So it's good to hear from you on the email the other day. And I, I appreciate you, you I've, coming. I've got one other thing, one other announcement. Our sure. hero lawsuit, uh, former Justice Craig Enoch from the Texas Supreme Court has now signed on as appellate lawyer. So oh, wow. he's working with the appellate team 
and working with Amanda and some of the other folks uh, that all have been on the team. And, uh, you know, we're doing our best to not make it about ego, but about having the best people out there. Mm-hmm. People like Amanda Taylor are awesome. Todd Smith at Butler Snow, they're awesome mm-hmm. lawyers. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Scott Field took the bench. And so, you know, we needed somebody with a little more judicial experience. And we, you know, wound up with Justice Enoch, former Justice Enoch. And I am thrilled that he's part of the team. <laughs> well, well, it's good to see those guys know what's right and, and for, you know, the for the public sometimes too, you know, and they jump on that side. That's good, man. That, that, that's good news. And let's see, uh, sergilaw.com. Is that the website? That's correct. Well, thank you, David, for being a part of the show. This was a doozy here with a, a double a double whammy with Andre and you both on this week. So we really appreciate uh, your insight and input as well. You can reach out to David and his law firm at 512-392-5010 and give them a call. Get get yourself on uh, some counsel, guys, because things are these waters are choppy. I may have to get something going with one of these guys myself. I've got some questions off the off air I want to ask. So, uh, thank you, David, for being a part of the show, my friend. You're welcome, Russell. You got my number. Give me a call. I sure will. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, there thank he goes. Much. All right, that's uh, David, and then we had uh, this week also our friend there with. Uh, um, uh, Andrea, who comes on frequently here on the program as well. So uh, very glad to have both of them chime on the program and, and give us some insight. We're in the middle of uh, getting those first rounds of bills filed, and then they'll go into committee here as we get ready uh, to have a powwow down at the Capitol this weekend. I believe it's the 16th. That is, well, that's tomorrow. And so I think that the Hemp Coalitions have got... Can you pull up the Texas Hemp Coalition, Carl's website? I believe there's... Yeah, it is Friday. So I will go down there with the car on Friday and uh, see what we can uh, uh, get uh, get some magazines passed out and, um, and uh, educate and, and inform. So good show this week. On the program next week is going to be Lisa Sewell from the Texans for Responsible Marijuana Policy on the program next week. So we will have Lisa on. And then uh, uh, coming up in March, we'll have uh, Caprock Family Farms. Young man Clayton Moore is with the Texas A&M Agriculture Department there. He does the the hemp program ahead of the chill organization there, Clayton. Uh, Also, there's an article in the magazine about Clayton in this most recent issue. And then we'll be talking with um, our friends over at uh, J Hart CBD on the 16th of March. And then uh, Jesse Williams from the Texas Cannabis Collective will be on the program uh, to finish out the month. Uh, So anyway, great show. Thank you to David Sergi and Andrea Steele. It's been podcast number 113. We'll see you guys next week. Be sure to pick up a copy of the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. They're out there throughout the state. So thank you for tuning in and give us a follow and like out there at the Instagram and the Facebook stuff. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in. It's the Texas Hemp Show. Hemp Show.